from that Danny Hunt was not doing very well. And so Linda is requesting prayers and he 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 is requesting prayers and he says uh really this he's needing some peace and quiet right now, but Linda says he's very sick and she's very concerned and wants us to pray for her and for Danny. So we're going to do that at this time and I want to encourage you to uh, be thinking about them and praying for them individually as well. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Holy Father, we thank You so much for this day that You've given us. Father, for the rain and the sunshine for the opportunity we have had to come together this morning to encourage one another and and study Your Word together. And Father, to be able to gather together as Your people to worship You and to sing praises to You. And Father, we are mindful of our brother Danny, Father, as he is not doing well tonight. Father, and we're mindful of Sister Linda, Father, as she is there with Him and watching over Him and is very concerned. Father, we pray that You will be with Danny and that You will help him. Father, we pray that that he might get well. We pray that he might get better soon. We pray that You will be with his body and help it to be stronger. Father, as He has been going through treatments, we pray that for those that are ministering to Him those treatments. And Father, we pray for decisions that are made concerning His health. Father, will be made in the best interest of Him and His quality of life. And Father, we just pray that You will be with Danny and Linda at this time. Father, we thank You for them. We love them. And Father, we offer them up to You. And we ask that You will work in this situation. And Father, we praise You and glorify You and thank You for the way You work through our lives, including in our health. Father, we praise You and we honor You and we thank You. Father, go with us during this service. We pray that all that we do will lift You up and will be done in honor of You. Father, we thank You. We thank You for this country that we live in. We ask that You will continue to bless it. Continue to bless this church body and our elders and those that lead us. Father, we ask that in all that we do, people will see Jesus living in us. Forgive us of all of our many sins. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. In painting the Last Supper, Leonardo da Vinci, there were some interesting things about this painting. As he began to paint that Last Supper painting, he had what he considered an enemy, a fellow painter that had done him wrong. And so he became very angry at this painter, called him an enemy. And in fact, in the painting of the Last Supper, because he was so angry at this other painter, he put that man's face for Judas Iscariot. And everyone that would come in, they would know that this gentleman, they would know who he was and they would see his face as it was for Judas Iscariot. And as he went along painting each of the other disciples' faces, he struggled trying to finish the face of Jesus. And he was confused and he didn't know what was going on and why he couldn't finish that. 
And it was only after he realized, it was because of the grudge that he held against the other painter. Because of the anger and frustration toward that other painter. And because of him putting the face, his face there on Judas's carrot. He realized that he needed to change. He realized that he was wrong. And it had kept him back from painting, finishing the face of Jesus. Jesus. And once he took that gentleman's face off from Judas's carrot, he was able to finish that painting. Isn't that an interesting story? To remind us that Satan can cause us to focus on many things. And Satan can cause anger and frustration and even hatred to get in our way of living our lives as God would have us to. And it's only when we focus on Jesus that we can do that. This morning we began talking about the mirror of God's Word and how we can have those different responses. And remember we talked about verse 21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. And we talked about the aspect of gardening. And remember we talked about going in there, pulling those weeds out, tilling up that ground, preparing it for receiving the Word of God and living like we should. And tonight we want to talk about practical Christianity, living out the Word of God. Remember James says, be doers of the Word and not hearers only. It's one thing to hear, but it's another thing to go out and live it. And that's what we want to think about tonight. Look at verses 26 and 27 of James chapter 1. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Well, there are three aspects or three examples of practicing practical Christianity that we want to look at tonight. And I hope that you have your Bibles because we're going to turn to several other passages of Scripture and notice what they say in relation to some of the words and some of the things here in James chapter 1, 26 and 27. Notice one of the examples James says in verse 26. If any among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless or worthless or in vain. James says our speech is important. The words that come forth from our mouth, they are important. He uses the word, if any thinks among you thinks he is religious. And the word religious there, it's, it's standing for that outward action. Those things to do with the external rituals or ceremonies of religion. So a person can come and attend services, sing songs, pray, worship, but then leaves in his language his or her language does not represent the very thing they had just been doing. One person said the most uh, of this, the most commonly used Greek word in the New Testament, has the basic meaning of godliness and holiness. Referring to religion. Godliness and holiness. Look, uh, look over in James chapter 3. Notice what James says about the tongue. James chapter 3, verses 1 and following. 
My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire kindles, and a tongue, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Listen to what he says. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and curses, my brethren. These things ought not be so. James says if we're going to practice, or we're going to live out the Word in practical Christianity, our speech matters. James says then our religion is in vain or useless or empty. I want you to notice Matthew chapter 15. In Matthew chapter 15, we want to notice verses 7 and following. Jesus here quoting from Isaiah the prophet, verse 7, Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying. And notice what he says, Matthew 15, now verse 8. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. We can honor God with our lips, but our hearts be far from Him. And Jesus says that's vain worship. Look down at verses 18 and 19. He's teaching His disciples here, and He says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These come from the heart, and they carry forth through into our words. The tongue, our speech, is a good indicator of a person's heart. One gentleman said, It has been estimated that the average person will speak some 18,000 words a day. Enough for a 54-page book. In a year, that amounts to 66 800-page volumes. Up to one-fifth of the average person's life is spent talking. Words are important. How we speak them and what we say and what we do not say. Another fellow said, if the tongue is not controlled by God, it is a true indicator that the heart is not either. You see, what is the standard of our words? The standard of our words is God and His Word. It's not my standard. It's not what I want to set. It's not what I want to be okay or not okay. It's God's standard. James says our speech is important. Look at the next thing he says in the first part A and part B of verse 27. 
He says, we live the Word by example of sharing. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. James says, pure, clean, undefiled, free from contamination. This is the kind of religion we seek. And how do we do that? He says, by visiting orphans and widows in their trouble. One gentleman said of pure and undefiled religion, this is the willingness to be doers of the Word without selfishness and with genuine concern for the welfare of others. You see, that word visit means not just make a social call, but that word visit means to go in plans to take care of. Remember in John chapter 13 and verse 35, Jesus said, By this all will know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love for one another. If you have that care for one another. And that becomes evident. Remember the standard is God's standards, not ours. Matthew 15. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. This same word for visit in James chapter 1, meaning to go take care of, is the same word that the writer uses by inspiration in in Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 68. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people. He has visited, been there to take care of. He's come to take care of and fulfill God's will. Verse 78, similar word. Through the tender mercies of our God, with which the day spring from from on high has visited us. God in the flesh has come down and visited us, not to make a social call, but to take care of. And James says that's the attitude of those who have pure and undefiled religion. To take care of orphans and widows. And there's various ways that we can do that. I think about the trip that we made this summer down to uh, Childhaven in Coleman. Do you know within a two-hour radius, there are about four or five children's homes that we can help and support and help take care of those orphans. And we have widows and widowers, and it's important that we seek to take care of them, but you know it's not limited to just that group. The way I understand it, in the Greek language, it leaves it open to include a number of people. So all those that are in need, we seek to try to help and take care of as best we can. Also, those that are left fatherless and widows. That's what, that's what he means by the orphans uh, and widows. Those who are fatherless. Those who have been left by death. But others can be fatherless. fatherless those left by desertion, disease, delinquency, drugs and alcohol and other things that have pulled those fathers away from their children and their spouses. 
God has always been concerned with orphans and widows. Listen to a few passages of Scripture. Psalm 68 and verse 5. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy habitation. God cares about orphans and widows. Exodus 22 and verse 22, the Bible says, You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. I encourage you to go back and read that because He tells what will happen if you do. There in Exodus 22. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 3, Honor widows who are really widows. God has always been concerned and cared for orphans and widows. And James says that's pure and undefiled religion. He says, you live out the Word by your speech. You live out the Word by sharing in the caring for those in need. And finally, look at the last part of verse 27. We live out the Word by separating ourselves to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Pure and undefiled religion, James says, is to keep oneself unspotted from the world. What a challenge. What a challenge for us in our world today. I came across a story about a young man who had just cleaned up his car. And he parked out on the street in front of this house it was close to where he was going and he went up to the, to the house and he asked the owner of the house, he said, is it okay if I park my car here? And the owner said, sure, you can park your nice clean car there, but you will not drive it away. And the young man thought, oh, well, he's just joking. And he went on about his business and left his car there. And when he came back, all over the side of his new, or of his clean, nice clean car, was mud. You see, he had parked on the street by two mud holes. And the traffic did the rest. You see, the owner wasn't lying, was he? All because he parked that car by those mud holes. And it affected that nice, pure, clean car. And so does sin do the same for us. You see, this is an ongoing, everyday thing. In other words, instead of just saying, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world, from the, world the Greek language seems to carry with it the ongoing process. In other words, we might say, keeping oneself unspotted from the world every single day. Living unspotted by the world is characterized by moral and spiritual purity. And that's how we go out and that's how we live in this world. It's not living perfect, but it's living a life of submission to God. One fellow says, James is speaking of the basic orientation of our lives, of our central commitment and allegiance. If that allegiance is right, then our deepest desire will be to love and care for others and to confess our selfish sin to the Lord when we do not. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes is not of the Father, but is of the world. I want us to look at one other passage. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 12. James used the word useless or vanity. So does the writer of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, notice verse 8. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity or useless or worthless. Look at verses 13 and 14. And I want us to close with these thoughts as we think about practicing pure Christianity and living out the Word in our lives. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is man's all. Some versions will say this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. I want to share a story with you that I think sums this up. A story I came across of this circus that had come to a town. The circus set up on a hill and the village was down below. And while they were setting up for the circus and getting things ready, a fire broke out at the circus. It began to burn the grass around the circus tents. And the director of the circus realized if we don't warn someone in the town, then this fire is going to spread and it's going to burn the town and people will will lose their lives. And so he asked, is there anyone that can go down to the village and warn those people and tell them to, to get away? There was no one else to go except for a clown. He said, I will go down and I will warn the people. And so he rode his bicycle down into the village, into the town. And throughout the town streets, he began riding his bicycle through there saying, a fire is coming, a fire is coming, get it coming, get out of your house. Save yourselves, a fire is coming. Well, people, the more he shouted and screamed, the more people came out of their homes and their businesses and they, and they wondered what was going on and they, the, the more the crowd, the clown would, would cheer or, or shout and scream, the fire is coming and try to warn people. They would laugh and they would applaud. And the louder he would scream, the more they would applaud and laugh. Because they didn't take the, the clown seriously. And the fire came and burned a lot of the town. And there was a great loss of life. What's the point of the story? There's a fire in the world. And it's sin. And we need to go out and we need to live lives of pure and undefiled religion. So that when people see us, they see Jesus and they don't see people dressed in clown suits entertaining and being funny. Not that... Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I believe we as Christians can have some of the best fun. But I believe that's also a part of living out the Word. Tonight, have you you given Jesus your life? It's our prayer that you will do that. Because here's the thing that, that we want you to realize. Jesus died for you. He hung on that cross and He shed that blood for you. 
so that through faithful obedience, confessing His name, showing that you believe that He is the Son of God, like the eunuch did in Acts chapter 8, and others, those on the day of Pentecost, they went down in that watery grave and they died to their old self. In a sense, to say, I'm tired of living a clownish life. I'm ready to live a real life. And they went on their way rejoicing. You can do that tonight. Maybe it is you're here. And there's so many things in your life, so many distractions, so many things pulling you away. Maybe there's some anger toward other people. And you're struggling to let go of some of that. You see, like Leonardo da Vinci, it's when we let go of that, we focus on Jesus, and He helps us let go of those things. If you have a need to respond to the Lord's invitation, don't wait another moment, but come forward during this song and let us assist you any way we can. As together we stand and sing.